0: For joining us on the Swamp Things podcast today. I am your host, Sam, the Sam Tater Zettel. I am here without my illustrious co-host today, because we usually record on Thursdays, and today is not Thursday. And we wanted the reason I'm here today without him is because we wanted to release an episode that we recorded a little while ago. An interview with a gentleman named Robert from Grey Islands. I had never met him before, but I got to hear his story about how he moved from the city, about his Italian heritage, about his nonna. And uh, also about some of the people in his life that made a difference and an impact on him. And we wanted to release this episode because I think it shows the kind of content we want to have for you on here. And if you know someone like this, someone that has a great story, someone from Bruce or Gray that just has kind of a neat angle on life and, and stuff that we can learn from them. Um, we want to hear their story. We'd like to have them on, on the show. So if you know someone like that or if you yourself would like to come on our show, we'd love to interview you send us an email at the address below and without further ado i hope you enjoy this interview of our friend robert from Gray highlands take it away thanks for thanks for watching see you later
1: that's right but
2: yeah. i'm cynical i'm just really negative i'm not cynical like you don't have to defend, <laughs> you don't have to defend the
0: fact that you're not cynical if you're not cynical that's the thing but let's start with the greenhouse so recording He's, he's gone now.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I lost... I have a... Headset? I have... No, I was, I have a short attention span.
0: Oh. <laughs> he got bored and he walked away. Wow.
2: It's <laughs> really short. Sam just walked away. What the heck? I'm surrounded by... Whatever. been exuberance.
1: Are.
0: I got lots of things I can use to distract myself. Like, look, Look! check this out.
2: Sweet. The pig? Uh... Robert, welcome to our friend Sam's office.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Um, Sam, I'm also a guitar player. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, um, as a COVID uh, present to myself, I finally bought a new acoustic guitar. Ooh. It's a, a Gibson uh, G45. It's a slope-shouldered oh, uh, model, um, yeah. walnut back and sides, mm. uh, a hide glue uh, dovetail neck joint. Spruce top.
0: Yeah, Hi, Zeny we'll going
1: to talk about uh, componentry, and we like craft things.
0: Yeah. Hide glue. Yeah, yeah. Like very, I feel like very few people would actually know what that is or have heard it before. Hide glue. I've never heard hide, of hide glue. Hide glue.
2: Hide glue. Hide glue. Yeah. Made yeah. from hide. Yeah. Is better than.
0: It's just a. It's a like actually a natural glue, right? It's like, if they were using it long, long ago. So it's not like a modern synthetic glue. It's like a, I don't even know what it's made from.
1: Uh... Uh, it's made from uh, animal hide. Oh, oh, is it that is, what it's
0: called hide glue. Makes sense. That's right.
1: And I... because it's so uh, because it's a natural uh, glue, it has better resonant qualities with the rest of the the wood, the natural mm-hmm. materials in the guitar. Yeah, including the nitrocellulose lacquer finish. Oh. Dude, satin, Years ago, not, satin, not I've got
2: I've got a glue story. Years ago, I worked with a lady who was, that was So this was the '80s. So she was probably in her 60s or around 70 when I worked with her. Can't remember the poor lady's name now, but she had worked at an envelope factory prior to the office where I worked with her, and she said never lick the back of an envelope because probably high glue.
1: I learned that on Seinfeld.
2: I heard that from a lady working on
1: an envelope factory. Oh, right on.
2: Anyway, hey Robert, glad to have you on board with Swamp Things. Sam gave me the idea that I should sort of host the conversation until the very end when there'll be some skill testing questions for for you later on. But first the fun part. First of all, what happened to your greenhouse? Because a lot of us experienced this incredible wind last night.
1: Yeah, so my greenhouse was uh, blown over by the or rather blown through by the prevailing singhampton winds yeah and um i had erected a a greenhouse around our raised garden beds my wife maria is an enthusiast of square foot gardening so we tried this method where we built beds about yay tall out of hemlock and fill them with vermiculite peat moss uh compost and then very delicate little seedlings, hmm. which need to be sheltered from the wind. So um, I had a hoop house, uh, which is made out of a one and a quarter inch uh, electrical PVC conduit bent in hoops over. And then I had plastic over that. And I built uh, framed end walls on it with uh, pressure treated two by fours. And unfortunately I didn't finish putting it together.
2: So, right.
1: so I threw the greenhouse plastic over and had it weighted down on both sides, and the wind caused such a flappa flappa that the thing just buggered right off. So that was a lot of fun. That's how I spent last night, and uh, yeah, and after uh, to work today.
2: So is the, is the plastic back on the greenhouse?
1: Oh no. That's going to be after this podcast.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time. Hey, tell us about your house. I was telling Sam about it. So we, we, we found the pictures. Tell us about what your house is all about.
1: Cool, yeah. So uh, my house is built out of a Quonset shell. And uh, Quonset comes from the town in New England where these semicircle-type buildings made out of, um, at that time, metal frames and then corrugated metal were made first to house soldiers um, post-World War One, So that's what you call a Kwanzaa. So kwanza just means a metal hut, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, ours is made of 14 gauge corrugated, Galvalume coated uh, Canadian recycled steel. Mm. And 14 gauge means it's about an eighth of an inch thick and it's 20 feet high in the center. Wow. There it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, I uh, built this myself um, with the help of some very skilled uh, trades. Um, So the building itself is a Quonset shell and then it sits on a concrete slab, which is our floor finish. There's heating pipes in that slab, which uh, are heated by a small electric boiler. Uh, on the south elevation of the house, the house was pointed by satellite survey directly north-south to maximize solar gains. On the south end, we have 28 feet wide by 12 foot high windows, and the gable ends are recessed. So on the south end, the sun, when it's at its highest in the summer, at noon doesn't penetrate the building envelope, but when it's low in the winter, it does. and that means that we get uh, heating from the sun mm-hmm. uh, that heats up our slab. Yep. The other thing is that our arch, which is an exact semicircle, resolves to vertical on both sides, and it has six-foot deep foundation walls which mm. serve as frost walls. Right, um, all around those are um, insulated, and then the the void that's created by that. The house is um, sixty feet long and forty feet wide. Mm. The void that's created in that foundation almost looks like a big concrete swimming pool right. um, It's filled with compacted screenings and then insulated. So what that means is when the sun and the boiler heat the floor, it has mass. And that also pushes the heat into this heat battery, which radiates heat. Um, Back continually. Up. Right. Yeah. And uh, eventually it'll condition the earth beneath it to have a bulb of conditioned earth. Wow. And then, yeah, and then the uh, shell on the outside of the shell has six inches of spray foam insulation on it uh, and then is covered with another metal skin. Uh, so the exterior of the house has no eaves troughs. Uh, we have drainable fill um, alongside the house, which is awesome because we get uh, some, of, um, some of the highest snow loads in Canada. Right. I think Dunlop has more snow than us. Probably. But, uh, it's a lot. Um, The house has a blast rating. I'm not sure what that, uh, how much it is specifically, but it can actually withstand bomb blasts. Right, Um, that's good. They have a projected lifespan of hundreds of years, so we're not the last people that can live in it. Uh, It's wheelchair accessible. Everything's on one level. We have a a wood frame loft that um, we have our uh, uh, sleeping quarters and ensuite and stuff there. Um, But the rest of it's all one level, and we have a wheelchair accessible uh, bathroom as well, barrier free. And what else? Uh, We designed the house, actually, uh, we designed it with our architect, Andy Thompson, um, a very talented and very committed architect. um, Mm. Really obsessive about the, the details, and he's a Buckminster Fuller enthusiast. The Guy's done some really rad work. This guy learned German, so he could go to get his master's of architecture in Germany hmm. uh, and worked building, um, ecotectural houses, uh, in the meantime. And the before thing. that, he was a professional snowboarder. Wow. And he has a, <laughs> yeah. And he has a at 1.0, um, on the Quebec side of the Ottawa river near Pembroke. Okay. And um, hmm. It's yeah. So this is a 2.0. His is 16 feet high. Ours is uh, 20 feet high and yeah it's been a, a wonderful um it's been a wonderful experience uh building this house i've never built a house before we moved into a 14 foot trailer while we were doing so uh myself my wife and our two german shepherds and our golden retriever and uh we learned a lot about dwellings when we were doing that so it's been 50. a interesting
2: so uh what stage of finish is the house at now robert
1: so we're at about 90 plus percent, okay. definitely not a hundred percent. Now all I have to do is apply the cladding on the gable ends of the structure mm. and um, some light finishing inside clear coats on, uh, on trim, um, that kind of stuff.
2: Is it like a pine finish, the pine boards on yes. the inside?
1: Yes. Everything is number two rough sawn pine. The ethos behind this house was a motorcycle and also a pizza margarita. <laughs> uh, yeah, enough, but not too much. Uh, beautiful ingredients um, realized thoughtfully. Okay. So,
2: For he, some people, pizza margarita might be a margarita which has pizza ingredients in it. So what's a pizza margarita in case people don't know? Many people say. Pause,
1: pause for applause. So, uh, pizza margarita is named after Queen Margarita. I didn't uh, know that. Of, yes, who was uh, Queen of Italy in the uh, 1870s, and uh, Italy, after its unification, um, came together under a new flag, which was green, white, and red. So they had a great fair, and in honor of the new flag and the of uh, the queen, they came up with uh, the pizza margarita, which itself is a uh, crust made of semolina flour, uh, it uses um, traditionally San Marzano tomatoes from the um, uh, Vesuvian slopes near uh, Napoli, um, that's the red, so the white is the crust, you get the red in the sauce, mm. then you get um, the, uh, the cheese, uh, which is a uh, mozzarella, uh, that's again more white, and then the green of the basil, and that's a pizza margarita. And it is, um, as you can tell by my <laughs> hand motions and my enthusiasm, I am of Italian uh, heritage <laughs> and my family in, uh, in the old country uh, bakes authentic pizza.
2: Mm.
1: My, my cousin Franco is the pizzaiolo and he cuts down the trees and splits the firewood to feed the fire In the pizza oven that he built to make the pizza and he also mills the grain. right? Yeah,
2: amazing. Yeah, Robert
1: I'm sorry.
2: Sorry. I'm gonna interrupt just that was that was uh, just like I get the idea of something Really simple, but the simpler you do something the better you have to do it because you're completely exposed There's like there's no room for fluff. We do something. That's so simple. It's got to be great Every piece has to be great, right? Does Does that make sense?
1: Yes, that's that's exactly it. In fact, um, the reason why I enjoy that Gibson guitar is because that guitar is it's enough and it's not too much. There you go. It's that. My father would ask me when I was growing up, "Do you want to be the best of the worst, or do you want to be the worst of the best?"
2: And, and I would
1: and I would think <laughs> about that, and I would think. At first, I thought like, hmm. Perhaps he's just messing with with me, which he was, but also I would rather be the worst of the best because uh, I believe that it it gives you something to, uh, what should I say, you make the most of what you've got and you have a lot to look forward to.
2: I like it. Yeah. Um, A phrase Sam used here years ago just regarding the church and stuff is, we have to raise the bar. We don't mm. raise the bar we get minimalism and minimalism is a death spiral does that does that make sense
1: yes exactly yeah it's not minimalistic for the sake of being minimalistic the, right. the house when I use those ingredients of the pizza margarita and the motorcycle um, I'll explain the motorcycle uh, I, I love bikes and my wife rides as well and when you're on a bike um, maybe it's very pretty but that doesn't matter when you're on it so by carrying things that are strictly yeah, right on. That's a Suzuki GSXR eleven hundred. Yeah. Um, so that bike. Did you right say eleven hundred? Yeah. I'm
2: sorry. Did you say eleven hundred?
1: Yeah. Eleven hundred, yes. Okay. Yeah. As opposed to one thousand one hundred.
2: Oh, I mean, that sounds like a lot.
1: It, it well, it's it's plenty in that bike. Yeah. If it's ornamental, heavy. for the sake of being ornamental, right. it's that's like being it's like being overly showy unnecessarily sure like why would you wear the fanciest boots you can as opposed to the most effective boots you can that That
2: that, I was saying then the next thing we'd like to ask you I'd like to ask you about Robert is a phrase I heard you use a couple maybe just last year is your shiny life in the city what is your shiny life what was your shiny life in the city and why did you leave it so now you're on this Quonset hut On the Niagara Escarpment, just overlooking the slope down to Collingwood.
1: What was the yeah? Things get weird. Things get weird real fast, I guess. So, yeah, I was um, I'm from the inner city in Toronto, and um, grew up there all my life. Later on, we moved to Etobicoke. I went to school at St. Mike's, uh, at uh, St. Clair and Bathurst and uh, went to um, university uh, at u of t so spent a lot of time downtown uh, then i became a industrial designer um, and i worked for the family business uh, designing and building um, bathroom fans um, and other building products for the ventilation industry um so i got to see the you know the ins and the outs of downtown life of Um, you know, owning a house in Toronto, of the construction industry in Toronto, of the nightlife and the weekend life. We love places like Kensington Market and, you know, the different neighborhoods of the GTA. But on the weekends, all we wanted to do was take a trip out to the country Mm -hmm. or, you know, get a pod in the woods. We were searching for peace. Um, I drank uh, like two cups of French roast a day now. Um, but back then I was on seven to nine espressos and it was That's my amazing. wife and I were, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I don't need it. I think that coffee wakes up in the morning and drinks raw. Right. Yeah. So my wife and I, she's a nurse and she was working in uh, dental anesthesiology. Um, we were both at a frenetic pace for so long. And we saw so many people around us. I don't know, it was a, it had the lifestyle had a detrimental effect. And by looking at the, I guess, the big picture of what is it that life is, what do we want out of life? Mm-hmm. The most sensical thing to do was search Eastern Canada for five years, uh, then move into a trailer, then build a, a house out of a big beer can.
2: I know something you and I have in common. I've been, I've been up in Gray County since 1998 but a common experience that we've had is how amazing it is to listen to older people. We were talking about the other day when you and I were speaking in their 80s and 90s that you've been talking with about just listening to their stories and you have a project I believe called Recall that's, yes, that's that right. formalizes that in a way but first of all why is it really important to you as somebody who's like five years in is that correct? To this job? uh, Into Grey County. I don't know how long.
1: Oh, uh, it will be three years this Canada Day.
2: Three years this Canada Day. So you're pretty new into into the area in a way. But you really, I mean, I I gather, find it amazing to listen to old farmers about whatever stories they want to tell. Why is that really important for you?
1: Um, I was lucky enough to be raised by my grandparents. Uh, They came from... Uh, from southern Italy. And my Nonna Maria taught me how to bake bread. And my uh, nonno Bruno uh, taught me how to pull nails out of two by fours. And by being surrounded by uh, people that were older than me, I got to hear, I guess I, I got to be steeped in that culture. I got to understand their paradigm. Mm-hmm. And I guess because of that, I was, I was always able to have conversations with people that were older than me. And I, I like people that are my age and of course younger as well. That's fine. But when you're talking to someone who's 80 or 90, they've seen a lot of stuff and they know a lot of stuff. If you listen, it's like kind of time machine Mm -hmm. because You're listening to someone who is a prime uh, from the past yeah. and you're listening to someone who is at a stage in life that you are not yet at. Mm -hmm. So they know two things that you don't know. They know what it's like to be 80 and 90 having seen all this stuff and Mm -hmm. they know what it was like back in the day. Right. So at the museum, um, when I started there, I started as a volunteer in the fall of 2017 And I was the youngest person on the board by at least 40 years. Right. And it was amazing. It was amazing. We have the the funnest board. Um, It's it's a bunch of um, very interesting people that have led different lives and are different people. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're at that age and they're in the certain place where it's very authentic. By the time you're that age, you're yourself. Sure. You know? So, um, what it is that that people have, what it is that people have done, and what it is that they've seen, and their perspective on things, is really cool. And right now, I'm an in betweener. I am. Um, we do a lot of work with uh, young people at the museum.
2: Yeah, I was gonna. Say, uh, I, let me just interrupt for a quick second because this definitely ties into what Sam's been doing up here for years, from the time he was a teenager, actually. But it's really about. A lot of what he does is is mentoring youth, and I know that's a, that's a, another passion of yours. Like it's you've got both ends of the spectrum. Why is it important for you to mentor young people?
1: You know, when I was eight, uh, when I was nineteen, I was in my second year at U of T. I was um, working at Home Depot on opening shifts and closing shifts, and then my dad and uh, I was on my way, hopefully, to be a lawyer. Hmm. And then my dad came home with cancer and I had to step into an area of the family business and then learn how to run it. Yeah. And I had to learn all these lessons under extreme pressure yeah. in many different vectors Yeah. Um, with no option for failure. And I didn't have anyone to tell me stuff. Right. You know, and at the time I had a, So because my dad is Italian and I'm Italian, there's conflict when you agree, let alone when you disagree. Yeah, yeah. So so you can't just ask the stuff that you want to ask at certain times. Yeah. And I didn't know a lot of things. And I was very, very lucky to be under the tutelage of one of my five uncles, Tony. that uh this particular uncle tony was a chain smoking 60 something year old who uh, yelled at me until i learned how to design sheet metal and um and practice good warehouse inventory practices mm. like so i had a mentor there i really looked up to him and he really he didn't treat me as he didn't treat me with any sympathy or empathy it was uh there was love there definitely but he wanted to pass what it is that he knew by example
2: and by yelling probably i'm sorry and by yelling
1: of course by yelling
2: there you go also
1: by but also by eating mortadella sandwiches and drinking espressos
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it's good
1: it's bad So then I had, um, I built a a great relationship with two other wonderful men. One was Bill, he was from Hong Kong and he was a a sheet metal manufacturer. Mm -hmm. I bought sheet metal components from him. And then we talked about sheet metal and then we talked about life, uh, mostly about sheet metal, but I learned stuff from him. Mm -hmm. I learned how to handle difficulty when stuff is extremely hard and it's not fair, don't freak out, just order your sheet metal and then right. form it into products and then ship it out properly and yeah. then collect your money. And if they don't pay, it's okay. Just keep going, that kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. I made a, a, an amazing friend named Sarmad. Sarmad is was born in Pakistan and studied the stratosphere and got his PhD. Um, through the Soviet Union and then in Chicago. And he was another sheet metal manufacturer. And he taught me, we talked a lot about, you know, sheet metal and design as well, but also business and also life. So my life was so impacted by this kind of mentorship that when presented with the opportunity, it's not like I aggressively mentor. Yeah. Like, hey kid, let me tell you how it works. But I understand the ambiguities and the unanswered questions that I had in life and the positive difference that having somebody that I looked up to. Sure. And someone that, you know, who had it together or at least was there was a really positive difference there. Hey, Robert, so
2: yeah, I'm going to interrupt. That was great. Uh, we have to talk to you again sometime about more stuff. This is a great start. I got so many questions. I know. Well, ask. Go ahead. Ask them.
0: Oh, I, well, I. Jeez, I don't even know where to start. OK, it's mentorship. Like that, that was great. Um, I love what you said about how um, talking to someone older is like a time machine. You know, it's like you, you can you can see into history, you know, in a way that's so much different than just reading about it or watching it on TV. Like um, I've still got uh, two living grandmothers and one of them's 96, you know, and uh, she's, she's just, I wish I could like bottle up her, her essence, you know? Oh yeah. She's pretty amazing. Yeah. Like kind of suck it out whenever I want to. Yeah. 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 Um, And another thing that I really want, I wanted to kind of hone in on was um, you said, you know, you had an, you, you feel like, Older people. One of the beautiful things about them is that they know themselves. You know, they they are totally comfortable with being them, mm-hmm. almost to a fault. I find that uh, <laughs> at least my relatives, uh, that you know, they're they're willing to say things that the rest of us are thinking, but no, we shouldn't say.
2: No filters, as they no,
0: say. No filter. You know. Yeah. And that's because they're so confident in who they are and just so at peace with themselves that they can just. They don't care what really what other people think, and that's so refreshing. But, um, and I thought that tied in beautifully with. With youth with teens because uh teenage life it's like at some point in your early teens you're just your identity is kind of robbed from you you know you you start out becoming you start out being a child of your parents that's your identity it's all wrapped up in them um and then at some point it's kind of varies from person to person you just sort of it's sort of you know the rugs pulled out from under you and you spend the next like five. 10 years, more than that, a Kind of a, it's kind of a trajectory, you know, figuring out who you are, you know.
2: <laughs> like, and, and well, I'll throw in this. I think, Robert, you'd agree, probably you would too, Sam. We've gotten to a weird stage where that is indulged. The, mm-hmm. It needs to happen. Yeah. You're a child, then you're an adult. That That has to happen. But we've, like, given way too much time for that and left people, like, I think... Yeah. Judging from my my daughter may who's 20 now worked with Robert for a couple of summers her contemporaries at university is like Their childhood too many of them have they're still children. They're like parents are like doing their laundry for them (laughs) And they're like 18 19 year old young men and women and it's not healthy. It's not good We've indulged that way too much. I I know you agree with that Robert because I've heard you say stuff like that before
1: you know you have a the Southern Italian grandmother, my nonna Maria, okay, will hit you and feed you. Right. You you will never disagree in either instance. Sure. It's, you know, like the, you should smarten up and you know that you should smarten up, you know? And Mm. like, do you want to be a child forever? Like, don't you want to be able to deal with things? Yeah. You know, um, the idea of being, the idea of being a man or the idea of being a gentleman means that you can handle things Mm -hmm. and growing into adulthood is something that I feel one should do, particularly young men and young men love responsibility and Eventually, when you're lying to someone long enough because you don't want to hurt their very delicate feelings, they're going to get used to that level. And then anything that happens that is uncomfortable, they'll break down and and wuss out about it. Mm -hmm. And you know what? The strength is totally within you to handle things if only you would allow yourself to handle things and quit retreating into your prolonged, indulgent childhood fantasies you know if robert, you want it yeah. go and get it
2: robert i want to ask i got to ask you uh, one more question and make a comment if that's okay so the question is um you mentioned your dad got very sick i believe he he died not like how long was he sick and he, he died when you were still quite young right within a relatively short time is that is that right i'm not sure i remember correctly
1: so my father um had cancer on and off for um a few years right. and the total length of from when he was first diagnosed to when he passed away was just over 10 years okay um and the cancer didn't get him he liked to he liked to win mm. things so that was good yeah yeah um, but uh when he did pass away it was a, a very um it was not expected and it was very quick hmm. but he did have a physical written bucket list and he did cross All of the items on that bucket list, which include seeing me get married, having a grandson, who's my nephew, Davide, playing golf at St. Andrews, like a champion, which he did. uh, going, uh, And then the last one, which was not crossed off, was going back to the old country as a family. Wow. Which we we did with my mom, my sister, our spouses this past Christmas. Hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, so when he did pass away, it was... um, it was pretty sudden, hmm. but that was, uh, that was in October of 2016. He was 62, the same age as his father. Right. So the way I looked at it, I was 31 when we started this crazy journey and I figured, you know what, if my life is half over genetically speaking, then yeah. I better get busy living.
2: Yeah.
0: I got, I've got so many questions about your, your, your building project. I'll, I guess I'll probably just more comment about it. Maybe we can talk about this another time. But uh, uh, have you heard of Earthships?
1: Yes, very much. Yeah, yeah. this Earthships are awesome.
0: Yeah, so we, we can my, carry
1: this and make it an Earthship. An earth so
0: my, yeah, my family built one um, in 2010. And um, following the explicit uh, instructions from uh, Michael, oh, what's his last name?
2: The guy can came up to your notes.
0: The guy who came up with it. Reynolds, Michael Reynolds, um invented it. And uh so yeah, we did de- we designed, you know, using his books and um and built it ourselves out of tires. And yeah. so what you're saying about, you know, south facing, um glazing, you know, thermal mass in the floor, so the floor heats up, it's like a, a thermal battery, you know. Um passive airflow uh, to, you know, so you don't need fans to to cool everything or heat everything. It's like, everything's passive. Everything moves around on its own naturally. And, um, I just, all that really speaks to me. I, you know, we're, we could have a long, we should have a long conversation about that sometimes. I'd love to pick your brains more about it. And, and it's, it's still doing really well today. I joked with, uh, with spicy C here. Oh, sorry. My,
2: (laughs) my podcast nickname is spicy C. (laughs) Spicy C is, Yeah. yeah,
0: his nickname, but, uh, um, I, I joked with him when he told me you were building a 200 year house. I said, 200 years. <laughs> Cause, uh, our, the, the buried tires in the airship, uh, we figure will be there for at least 500 years. I think that's their half life, you, you know? So they're like, they're, they're going to be there. Like archeologists will dig it up and we'll go like, what the heck was this? You know, <laughs> uh, So it's just kind of make, kind of making fun of you, even though I didn't know you. But, uh, anyway, I, yeah, I'd like to pick your brains about that a little more and a little more later and find out more about project recall and, and i i also have a motorcycle license um, unfortunately i had to sell my my motorcycle after i had my fifth child
2: so sam has um, a clone army i have a clone five army. boys so it just got wow. uh, it
0: got ridiculous i couldn't take i couldn't take more than one kid on the motorcycle so it wasn't practical <laughs> anymore so uh, but uh, love, i don't love the you... gsxr love uh, you know love motors i love i had an old 84 uh, cbr uh, nice. not a CBR, a CB, but it was the predecessor to the CBR. Yeah. It was a beautiful bike and I loved it. And, uh, yeah. So. You
2: guys have a lot more in common.
1: Motorcycles, are, uh, motorcycles nowadays, um, as opposed to being necessary for locomotion are often perceived as virility symbols, mm. which you don't need.
0: Nope. I don't need anybody to, I don't need to prove that in any other way. <laughs> People just look at your head. People look at my head. Yeah. And they know. Yeah. There you go. It's I don't gone know. for a reason.
2: Um, <laughs> Hey, one other thing I want to just observe. You've got five uncles named Tony. Is that right?
1: Yes. Um, now, those are either uncles by direct yeah, yeah, yeah. relation or, uncle, or uncles as uh, titles of respect.
2: So I've got two younger brothers. We all have the middle name Anthony. And uh, we have a total of six sons divided amongst the three families. So, no, five sons. And they all have the middle names that are variants. Because this Saturday coming up, I don't know if you know or pay attention. St. Anthony, Anthony. St. Anthony of Padua, is this Saturday coming up, June thirteenth. It's my parents' wedding anniversary, so it's like always a huge day for the Tonys and for our family. Anyway, so to all the Tonys out there, St. Anthony this Saturday, and your feast day. There you go. Yeah,
0: not your feast day, but a bunch of uncles.
1: What's your What's your full name, Robert? My full name is Robert Edward Yantorno.
2: Thank you. Awesome. Yeah,
1: Robert. Uh, my parents named me Robert Edward, um, oh. Edward after my grandfather Eduardo, but they anglicized my first and middle names because they didn't want me to um, to face the same discrimination that they and my grandparents had faced um, for having uh, ethnic names. Ironically, they left Yantorno, which was kind of a giveaway, sure. <laughs> a little bit, <laughs>
2: especially in Gray County,
0: yeah,
2: even more in Bruce. Yeah things are even yeah. weirder in bruce
0: things are weirder in
1: bruce yeah yeah things are weirder I, that's a good that's a good slogan by the way things are weirder that, in Bruce. that could
0: be our slogan yes and I, I feel like this podcast brings them together because we have this rivalry going on uh bruce and gray
1: hey uh for, for, for it to be a rivalry there would have to be some sort of it would have to be like some sort of even competition Ooh. oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, what you're saying is like Gray's got a long way to go before they're even close to being competitive. So,
2: we all three have a mutual friend, acquaintance, uh, Brian Plumstead, who's the director of tourism for Gray County. I think that's the right title. I'm not sure. Tourism manager, whatever. Uh, so, in honor of our, our mutual friend, Brian, and the fact that you have kind of tourism like responsibilities for Gray Highlands, the municipality that is uh, where the museum is in Flusherton. And Gray Highlands is like the Beaver Valley. Markdale, Flesherton, all the way over to Highway Six, is that right?
1: Uh, it's all the way over. Maybe near not as far the... as Highway Six. Yeah.
2: Anyway,
0: somewhere. starts in there somewhere. We've
2: got we've got some tourism related trivia for you to answer, Robert. Some questions for you. Is that okay? What? Yeah. I was going to
0: do the stupid salmon trivia. Okay.
2: No. Do you want to do salmon trivia? Uh,
1: let's try. All
2: right. <laughs> Because the Great Salmon Derby is a really big deal, as you know, for Grey County, correct?
0: I think it was cancelled, wasn't it?
2: It was cancelled for this year, but isn't that oh. a, one of our biggest events in Grey County? Yes?
1: I am not aware of a Salmon Derby.
2: You've never heard of the Salmon Derby? I haven't. Wow, that's uh,
0: sad. You're not
1: going to do very well at the, tri- at the trivia, I don't
0: think.
2: Okay, oh. Sam's got some <laughs> salmon trivia for you. Good luck. Where does the Salmon, where does the salmon Derby take place? Owen Sound.
0: It's Owen Sound Salmon oh. Spectacular.
2: There you go.
1: Right. <laughs>
2: Go ahead, Sam. I don't know why we're doing this. We're not it's no good reason. This is just a waste of time. Go.
0: Okay. I'm being forced to do this, so you yes, know Robert. I'm
2: forcing him to do it.
0: It's not my idea. Okay. Which breed of salmon do you think is caught at the salmon spectacular? There are many breeds. Species. Species.
2: Just guess. <laughs>
1: Geez. Uh, speckled
2: salmon? No. <laughs> Speckled's a kind of trout. Persephone, as far as I know. I
0: Persephone nice. says no. It's Chinook salmon. I
1: going to say Chinook, but I didn't. I own that. <laughs> sure next. you
2: did, Robert. Okay, uh, the next one. From which ocean did the salmon that are now uh, caught in the Great Salmon Spectacular come from? From which ocean did they come from?
0: Yeah, you have a one in seven chance of getting this one. Probably. Unless you don't know what the world's oceans are called.
1: I'm gonna say Pacific. You are correct. I'm
0: correct! Way to go.
2: All right. One more question. Go ahead, Sam.
0: Okay.
2: I don't know. <laughs> we don't know enough to ask you these questions. Yeah. Sam does fish a little bit. I I don't fish. Do you fish at all, Robert?
1: I don't. My uh my wife fishes. Oh, okay. uh, I like eating and cooking fish. Yes, there you go.
2: (laughs) How about we leave it there? That was the last question. (laughs) Hey, Robert, thanks so much for coming on. You will appear in a future episode of
1: Swamp Things. Thank you.